From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, I'm Mike Lieberman. Welcome to What's Wrong With Revenue. Uh, this is episode 51. We're kind of getting on our, up to our uh, annual uh, anniversary of, of the show. We've done one uh, almost every week for an entire year. So um, I thought this today we would do something a little different uh, than maybe we've done in the past. I have a special guest host, Bob McCarthy. He's the head of content here at Square Two. Bob, say hi. Hey. That's, that's all uh, Eric is uh, Eric is traveling, spreading the good word about uh, digital transformation in Square Two. So we let him off the hook today for what's wrong with revenue. Bob is a is a uh, stout stand-in, and we're happy to have Bob here. Bob, I appreciate you joining us. Let me take care of a little housekeeping before we get started. For all you guys who watch the show, check us out on YouTube. The Square Two Marketing Channel has all of the What's Wrong With Revenue shows hosted there. Like us, subscribe, leave comments. Um, we appreciate your feedback related to the show, and YouTube is a great place to check it out. If you are interested in all kinds of audio and video content, you can head on over to Square Two's free streaming service, Square Two Plus, located at square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. We have content for CEOs, CEOs, CMOs, CROs, any kind of C-level, a whole bunch of technology content related to HubSpot. We publish something on the site almost every single week. You can subscribe to the uh, feed just like Netflix, and we'll let you know when we post something new, Square2 Plus. If you're into the show specifically, at the bottom of our website, there's a link for What's Wrong With Revenue. You can click on it. You can go on over to that page. You can subscribe to the show. We'll email you the show every single Thursday after it's been edited and prepped for general consumption. And you can also submit questions. So if you want uh, Eric, me, or Bob, or any of my guest hosts to answer any of your questions, just head on over to that link at the bottom of our website, What's Wrong With Revenue, and you can submit a question. You can also get the live show thrown on your calendar. So you can join us live and participate if you're so inclined. So, Bob, hey. we're getting to the one-year anniversary of starting What's Wrong With Revenue, and it's been an interesting journey for me specifically. I know for Eric, and I know for some of you guys at Square Two, because we talk about the show frequently. Um, I wanted to uh, uh, share with the audience a little bit about the backstory, how we kind of got here, maybe some of what goes into the show, why we're doing the show uh, from a content strategy perspective. And um, then I'd like to talk about what we think is going to happen next. And I'm not specifically talking about what's wrong with revenue, although I'm happy to share some of what we think we might want to do in the upcoming year two, or maybe season two of what's wrong with revenue. Um, but I'm very interested in your take and you sharing Square Two's take on content in general. How are people using it to 
create communities, to drive engagement, to, to attract people to their business, to, to produce the business outcomes that they're looking for, leads and new customers. I feel like content is going through a transformation. This is one example, a good practical example. Uh, I know you had a very interesting content-related experience at one of our clients last week or the week before. I'd like you to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that because that is feeding Square Two's content creation efforts. Uh, and maybe we could kind of, you know, towards the halfway point of the show, talk a little about the future of content and what people should be thinking about. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's all. There's a lot there, Mike. I I hope there's I can, a lot uh, there. Live up I to know, all you of know, it. Yeah. You know me, I tend to bite off more than I can chew, but uh, I also want to provide a rich content experience for everyone who is, you know, participating in the show, either watching it or listening to it uh, one way or another. Let me start at the very beginning of your of uh, your list of proposed questions or you know talking points, which is really starts with with what we're doing right here, and you've been yeah. doing for. Now, 51 episodes, very proud to yes. be 50, 50 plus one. I don't know what, yes. uh, what anniversary yes. that is. Yes, I, I don't know if you heard, but we also had a thousand downloads, which honestly, like maybe to some people, that's not a lot. But to me, it seemed like a pretty, pretty decent accomplishment for a, a, yeah. a baby, you know, podcaster or whatever you want to call us. I, I don't know if you realize this. This is my third time as uh, co-hosting this with you, which I think entitles me to like some sort of like swag or jacket or right. You're you know, you're, you're kind of like the, the Johnny Carson stand-in, right? That's right. right. Um, which so being able to be part of this three-time co-host here at episode number fifty plus one, um, I can tell you, you know the driver behind doing something like this. And it's very much related to where as a group we've been discussing for where, where we think content uh, is going. Um, and in some ways it's been a little bit of an, an experiment. Um, I think for the longest time, and it was somewhat successful as content oftentimes spoke to people um, and sometimes in good ways, right? You use it to educate people, help them make more informed decisions uh, as thought leadership to introduce them to new ideas. <clears throat> But I think over the course of time, uh, there just becomes the, a glut of that out there. And it really becomes hard to have some of the conversations that you really like to be having with people that early on in those content, those educational days, um, it felt more like, well, here, look, here's this ebook you can download that we wrote for you. And it was kind of unique. And it felt like, oh, this is really cool. This feels conversational. It's everywhere now. And it just becomes one other thing. And um, the advent of video, we had spoken quite a bit about just how prevalent and important video had become in all of our lives, whether it's on social media or, you know, on websites or wherever you are. It's just a big part of our lives about trying to leverage that and not just in a way that, again, is more talking at people with, um, well, here's an overview video and here's just the same ebook content in a video form, but having something that felt conversational. Having mm-hmm. something that really felt like we were opening ourselves up to discuss things that, whether you're in sales or marketing, your company looking to grow your business or, you know, grow your brand, that you can have some honest conversations about how to do this, what the challenges are, and not come from a position of this is how you do it, ABC, and it's a formula and you'll do it every time, but 
sometimes start with a little premise of just like, you know, hey, things have become tough and we're still figuring it out, but here's what we think and here's what we see and here's what we know. And, you know, we use the word conversation and there's not always somebody on the other side asking questions. Obviously at the end, we do take questions and uh, answer them best we can, but just have the type of discourse where someone at the other side feels like, yes, that's exactly what I've been thinking. That's exactly what I'm feeling. And so that really spawned this, uh, this show, uh, these episodes. And then the same time, you know, like you had had this, you know, great idea of like, well, I, I don't want it to just be, you know, episodes that people can download, like how many different ways which, can we use this, which is really another big pillar of where content is going is yeah. make it as efficient as possible. What can we do with this, this yeah. content? Uh, you know, we put it on the website, we did square two plus to, put other things in there to help people digest in a, uh, as much as they want on demand, use it on social media, um, use it as drivers for a bunch of other things. So where content is going has um, really been a big driver in why to do something with this. And I think it does connect very much to something that people are looking for, which is that idea you mentioned earlier around trying to connect more with people in businesses that 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 they work with to have it feel more of a sense of community so that yeah. there's well, a don't, bit of kinship. Don't, don't, you're, you're, you're gonna like <laughs> gonna spill the show on the table <laughs> yeah. before we even get started we're 10 minutes into it so um let, let's just let's back up a little i'm sure you remember at least i think you do we 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 did a formal podcast a couple of years ago called smash the funnel and it was our first podcast, and I recruited, I guess I would call them pseudo-marketing celebrities from my orbit and did a fairly formal interview with them for about 20, 25 minutes, um, you know, talking about marketing and sales-related topics, and uh, we... we we did a, an entire season, again, like just like Netflix. I think the first season had 12 episodes. We recorded them all over the course of a couple weeks and then published the entire first season so people could binge it, right? Um, you know, that was pre-pandemic, so you're probably looking at 2017 or so. The streaming services were really, if I get my timing right, really just kind of getting at that point so we were kind of borrowing you know that whole approach to to the podcast series and I, I would say it was somewhat successful I mean we did season two in, in a similar format um, I don't really have any specific data that I can recall about how many people listened to it downloaded it or, or what have you but it was a good learning lesson, right? We got the technology straightened out. We got the production piece of it straightened out. Um, we, we realized it wasn't too difficult. It wasn't so hard getting guests to come on. Although I have to say, I probably exhausted my uh, the, the contacts of interesting guests, <laughs> you know, people that someone else might be interested in hearing about. Uh, and, and then, um, it, it kind of lost steam. Like we never did a version through, we never did a, a third season. You know, uh, I was not thrilled with the format. I felt like it was a little rushed. Um, 
during the pandemic, I, I was exposed to Joe Rogan's podcast and, you know, politics aside, I thought his long form content was incredibly engaging. And I, I'm sure that the lack of other activities had something to do with it, because honestly, since the world has gotten back, I haven't really gone back to podcasts the way I had before. But being locked up in the house and my only activity was really going for long walks, I could listen to him and a couple of other people who had interesting podcasts. And I was just kind of in, in, enthralled with the longer format and his ability to go deep on a particular topic. He, he, he's not rushed. He's taking his time. They're you know, fooling around a little bit in the beginning. They're having a drink and smoking a little weed or whatever he does on his show. And, you know, I thought that was it kind of interesting. Obviously, I'm not the only one who thought it was interesting. He made a bazillion dollars with that format. And a lot of people are huge fans of him. So there's, some, there's something there that I was attracted to as opposed to like jamming in a 20 minute interview and moving on to the next episode. You want to say something? I just realized that uh, I must have missed the the green room portion of the show where we share a drink and whatever <laughs> yeah, else. Well, uh, yeah, well, you know what? He, he, his guests are always together. Like he would fly them to Texas, and you know they, you know, again, this was during COVID. He was testing them, and they were pe getting negative and coming to the show. So, you know, like that person. I wish we could do in person interviews. It's not feasible, and it's not feasible for most people. So this is the second second best option. But all of all of what I learned from listening to him and, and a few other people during that has kind of informed this actually third generation of, of Square Two's effort to produce content like content like this. Right in the beginning of the pandemic, there was another experiment where Eric and I did a everyday show called On the Horizon, where we felt like people needed to hear from people who were pivoting their business and sharing ideas that people could do. Um, you know, we were both like locked down in our basements and we did the show every day from like eight to nine o'clock or eight to nine forty five um, in a similar format to this. It was video and audio content. And that show lost it lost, uh, you know, it lost its momentum like we did it for two months. I think doing it every day was was not not great. It was too hard every day to show up and be prepared to, to do a show, even though we were talking kind of ca kind of casually. You want it to be good. I, I prepare for this show. I think, you know, anybody who's putting content together has to prepare to some extent. You know, you don't just show up and wing it, it you know, and expect it to be good. So, you know, I wish I wish hindsight that we had taken that show and instead of stopping it for two years, we had morphed it into something that maybe would have looked more like what this this show is. Um, instead, we had to start again with this show a year ago in terms of getting it up and out and, and getting it, it getting it, it its traction. Uh, but again, I did learn that you got to stick with it. You can't do something for a few weeks or a few months and expect it to be successful. Um, and, and, you know, we're still learning, right? Like the, the, if you watch the show two weeks ago of my interview with Guillaume at inbound, I thought that show was the best of all the shows we did just because it, the, it was more casual. It wasn't forced. Um, there were more opportunities to, to have a casual conversation. And I'd like to try to maybe replicate that more frequently in this show going forward. 
I tried to do something similar with Nathan at HubSpot last week. I don't think it was as good. And again, full transparency. I'll tell you if I think something's good or, or not good so that, you know, our audience can learn from it also. Uh, but I feel like we're still finding our footing in terms of what the right format is, even after all these shows. Well, I think, you know, something that was that's really instructive for, for us, you had mentioned on the horizon and you had viewed it like, um, you know, hey, I wish I hadn't stopped and, you know, kept with it. And, and I actually see this as a continuation of that. And it was a touchstone when we started talking about the show. It's just like, well, just that. But here, and I, the part that I find instructive is I think at the time when we're doing On the Horizon, it felt very um, of a time. It was in the context of the pandemic and what can we do to continue to have conversations with people that are maybe scratching their head. And right. I think we reached a certain point where we're just like, well, you know, people, maybe they're tired of this and this is just going to go the way and we'll look back and laugh on it every time. I think what's really instructive is that a lot of things that happened within the pandemic in terms of preferences of, you know, been forever changed, right? So we thought like, well, maybe would, people would tire of that. And as we started coming out of the pandemic a little bit and uh, the people started going back to offices and traveling more. And no, no, this is actually what they, they, maybe they didn't want it every single day, like you liked, or maybe the topics are different, but they truly enjoy the idea of just like, yeah, I love the idea of just tuning into a, a video or having a podcast and, and, and going down that road. So um, you know, that part has been very informative for me in thinking about, you know, hey, what works now in 2022, you know, two years outside of the pandemic or outside of, you know, the, the initial part of it. And um, things have changed quite a bit. And like, this is one of those changes that I think, you know, we try to instill with people we work with of like, this still has a lot of cash. It has a lot of momentum. You should be tapping into it. Agreed. And, and. You know, uh, I, I, I've talked about this a couple of times, maybe not in a great degree of detail. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested in maybe sharing more now, but, you know, there, there is also a uh, content creation and, and scale conversation that goes along with this type of content. Like in, in the old days when we, when we did blog articles and eBooks and white papers and infographics for clients, like you're talking about a fairly heavy lift, right? Someone smart like you has to write it and you have to do a little research. Um, you know, it has to get edited a number of times, then it has to go to design and design has to, you know, work their magic. And then it has to get edited a couple more times. And then, you know, even when it's ready for publishing, it needs a landing page, it needs a CTA button, it needs, you know, you know, to be included in an email. Like, it's a fairly heavy lift to create a single piece of content that's going to maybe live, live on in perpetuity on your website, but its content is going to have a very short shelf life, right? So a lot of money to invest in something that doesn't really provide a ton of value for an extended period of time. It might do well as part of a campaign. It might do well on a specific page, but it's going to be outdated fairly quickly um, for the lift associated with what went into it. And you know, when we started playing around with this format, one of the things that appealed to me the most is how much content we can create from a single hour worth of investment, right? Mm -hmm. We create, we, we do a live show, right? I get it. You know, again, full transparency, 
hardly anyone ever comes to the live show. But I, I view that more as like people are just used to on-demand content, yeah. right? Like, why do I need to go live? I can look at it tomorrow or the next day or over the weekend when I want to, or I can listen to it while I'm on the Peloton, right? Like, so, okay, fine. We do a live show. If someone's interested, they can pop on and join us. They can ask a question. We're good to go. We create a video that we put on our YouTube channel, that we put on our streaming service, that we use uh, uh, where appropriately in our sales process or, or on our website. We uh, create a, an audio version of it and publish it as a podcast. And you know that's where we seem to be maybe getting the most traction in terms of its audio content. We, we cut it up into snippets for social media to promote our thought leadership and our website and the show in general and our the various platforms that the show is housed on all with an hour's worth of effort. Now, there's some post-production that goes into it. And, you know, honestly, again, full transparency, it costs us a couple of hundred dollars to do the post-production work to get all of these th this content out into our community. It's like nothing I've seen before from a scale perspective. When, and when you think about so another, another carryover from the last couple of years that is really pushing into where we are now and where we're going, is that a couple of years ago, we've, we've always recommended content like this. And I'd always hear back from clients, well, I'd love to do that. I need to get some professional equipment. People have to do it. And then we, we so a couple of things happen, right? Technology being what it is. I mean, you or I are just on our laptops. I do not, I have earbuds in, that's my microphone. We're doing this through Zoom. Um, this is far better technology probably than three years ago. Everything about it just supports it better. But audiences have become accustomed to it as well. They're not looking for you and I to be, you know, ref, you know, polished speakers uh, or you know, camera ready. You know, these these are might be faces better suited for writing than uh, for camera. But you can do these things today without really having to invest in anything more than you already have. Like you said, yes, if you want to, you can go ahead and do some editing. I would argue you could do a 15 minute show, a 30 minute show without having to do much editing on your own. and It'll probably be fine. Right. And honestly, if you look at whether it's reels on Instagram or, you know, TikTok videos, the, you know, younger generation and by younger, I mean, you're still talking about professionals in their thirties and forties that are on these they prefer raw. I, I was I was watching a session from Inbound the other day, and like the time again, they said people prefer like these raw, do-it-yourself, user-generated content to highly polished, invested in it. the The other great thing is you had mentioned like if we were to turn this into an ebook, sit down and write it. It takes a lot of time to write well, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a writer, but it takes a lot of effort. You do have to have it edited. That's the expectation. You read something, you expect it to be coherent in a way that uh, you know you can follow along very easily and quickly. When we're in conversation, I am not paying attention to my grammar. My there is no punctuation other than my stops and starts, mm -hmm. and so it's just accepted that this is very conversational, and we're not being held to the same to the same standard. I can riff with you in a way that is really just that one-off. Whereas like I did that in a single draft, our editor would absolutely murder me for mm -hmm. trying to put that in front of eyes. So it mm -hmm. does work at, at scale quite well. Yeah. And uh, I, I also think that it's a tremendous opportunity to try different things and learn about what sounds good, works well, engages your uh, prospects and, and customers and, and, and audiences appropriately. And you can 
make again like once the ebook is done like you're not going back into it and editing it and republishing it like that that's ship is sale like if we're going to do something else let's do something new but with this you know literally every week we can do something a little bit different to produce a slightly better product that does better on the open market with the the goals that we have set for this particular content and there's just no there's no competing with it i i don't think um and I also feel like it's not slowing down, right? Like, I don't think there's a over, yes, there's a lot of videos out there. And yes, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but I think there's, there's room in your niche. There's, there's, there's room for you to create this kind of content. If, if you can have something interesting to talk about um, and, and once people find it, they share it and like it and the algorithms kick in. And the next thing you know, you have a, fairly successful piece of content that is driving visitors and and potentially leads for your business. I think one of the interesting things is, you know, and to be clear, we still do a fair amount of writing at Square Two and for our clients, this has just been another sort of, uh, you know, avenue for content that we've really prioritized. But the, the playing field has changed a little bit in terms of content, you know, written, versus video, uh, the game hasn't changed that much. There's tons of written content out there. There's tons of video content out there. The name of the game is still the same, which is like you need to, whether it's something that feels as casual as this, but as you pointed to, you know, a lot of thought goes into it. However, however, you know, casual it feels, still putting out great content that somebody can sit back, listen to, and putting out a, a good amount of it too, because I mean, I don't know how you consume podcasts or video casts, but I am certainly, um, I don't binge everything. I kind of hit through topics that are, are of interest to me. Oh, that one's on, you know, technology. Uh, I want to get more into the one on, you know, content creation. And so uh, allowing people to, you know, I'd love it if people took, you know, downloaded, listened to every single thing that we did, but having a little bit of something for everyone that they can go through and, and kind of uh, pick the ones that are important to them or mean the most to them probably increases the odds that they will go back and listen to some of the other ones as well. Yeah, I, I would agree. So, you know, going forward, uh, we have to continue to kind of uh, assess what's going on in the market and adjust accordingly. And, you know, you're, you're kind of seeing it here. I'm, we're, we're trying to do more kind of casual conversations about a particular topic as opposed to maybe a more planned out episode like maybe we've done previously. I'd like to do more of these. I'd like to do more interviews going forward with with people who have something interesting to say. Uh, if you're watching this and you want to come on the show and you have something interesting to say, you, you know how to get in touch with me. Um, but uh, I, I, I still feel like there's like another wave coming and um, I want you to talk a little bit about where you were and why you went and what you did out there and what Square Two was trying to accomplish by having you go and what kind of content we think that's going to produce for us. Because it's a little more involved, but there are a lot of the same practices being applied there as well. So talk about that a little bit and maybe... We can talk a bit about where we think content in 2023 is going to be and how people who are, you know, uh, uh, 
watching the show or listening to the show can can pivot or take advantage accordingly when they're thinking about their their marketing and content plans. Yeah. So where did I go? So while you were all at inbound in Boston, which initially I was all torn up that I wasn't invited because it being my my stomping grounds, I it was a snub. But then I got invited to go out to our our client Crosby Hops out in Oregon, just outside of Portland. And uh, everything was immediately better because uh, who doesn't want to go out? Uh, Crosby Hops, producer of- Right, well, we, uh, grower, we, we planned all along to send you out there. So you can- We're just waiting you, for the you, invite. <laughs> we, were, we, we, we didn't want to like invite you to go to Boston and pull it out from under your- We just thought we would just get you out to Crosby Hops and then you would forget about inbound. Yeah. These are the games we play internally, folks. That's we just right. tease each other. Uh, That's we right. We toy with each other's emotions. Um, That's right. But so the, I went. I went out to visit at their invitation. They do an annual. This is their harvest season where they're harvesting all their hops. Uh, brewers come out and do selection uh, to choose the hops that they're going to use for their brewing that year. Um, and they have a big party around it. And when we first started working with them on almost going on two years ago, they had said from the beginning, you know, you should come out come out, visit, there's nothing like it, you know, seeing those, they have a, they have an outside bar called Topwire that sits in front of fields of hops and like, there's just nothing, you can smell it wafting off. And we were like, well, that, that sounds amazing. And like most things, pandemic kind of kept uh, them from hosting this event. And this was the first full year that, um, the first year they were gonna do it in full again. And so we were on a call and they said, hey, this relationship is going well, we're, we've all gotten to know each other, you should really come on out for the for the festival. And so the purpose was really kind of twofold. One was, uh, you know, we've cemented a, a really strong relationship with with them. And it was to kind of go out and meet in person and uh, hang out and, you know, just kind of build off of that, you know, um, not necessarily talk a lot of shop, a little bit of shop with a little bit of the personal and uh, connect. Um, that's a big part of, it's one of the big takeaways from working with them is that they, they're agriculture, but they work in the brewing community, which is all about community, tons of video, tons of talk about community, tons of rubbing elbows and, you know, BSing over beers. Um, and so it was, come on out, be a part of this community, be a part of it with us. And at the same time, we thought it was a great opportunity for us to start maybe pushing some of these these things that we've been doing with content like this and pushing it in new directions, next direction. So um, myself and another teammate went out and that's exactly what we did. We got to, to go and hang out and it's sat in a, 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 at an outside bar with hops all around me. You can smell them wafting in off of the breeze. Um, and at the same time, we took, uh, spent a little bit of mic you overnighted, a couple of mics to use in the field um used our iphone and uh, i think we had like one handheld uh little device to keep it stable and decided like let's get some let's get some footage some b-reel uh some b-roll uh let's talk to them but the idea was rather than do it like a testimonial video which everyone in every industry but ours included sits down tell us why you came to us what's it like working with us and like like somebody's gonna sit there and just be like you know, you know bob you're a complete asshole <laughs> But, right. you know, you're kind of you're kind of good at what you do. So we put up with you, but have more conversations around some of these types of things. Hey, what was going on with your business? What is going on? Where is it going? 
and trying to have it feel much more like a connection between people, something more conversational and have them describe a challenge and not necessarily how we solve for it, but have some, have them discuss things that are important to them or were important to them uh, as they reached this juncture where it was like they needed to do something different, something that probably a lot of other businesses can relate to. And so we went out and we did a couple of interviews with our, the people we work there and, and did that. And we also put together, because we have them there, let's put together some fun questions to have with them that we can use on social. We're all about love and relationships and loving your agency. So, you know, there was a lot of that. It was not formal. It was, let's talk music. Let's talk beer. Let's talk kids, these things we have in common. And probably out of that, there's going to be a ton of like footage that we can use on social media that we can use in places other than just trying to generate leads that allow other people that are in their position to connect with us in a, in a more meaningful way, something that feels a little bit more like community, that feels right. a little bit more from the heart. Right. I want you to talk about the community piece of it in a second, but I think our, our major objective was, as you said, to not just do another customer testimonial. We really wanted to tell a broader story because there was a broader story to, to tell there. They right. came to us and, and, and we're very honest about feeling like they had a good story, but not being able to tell it publicly, right? Not being able to get it out there, not, not having it represent the way they felt about their business in, in a way in which other people would be attracted to their business, right? And, and that's not an easy story to tell. It, it's, not, it's not like we're like, Oh, well, we had two leads a month before square two, and now we have 20 leads a month, you know, since square two, like, that's nice. But there was so much more associated with working with these guys uh, uh, to, to help them figure out that story that we wanted to be able to capture that when, when you were out there with them, right? I think, yeah. One of the things that I think it's very important if you're watching from home is to understand is this is a company and what makes them a little bit different and savvy. They are the second largest hop producer provider in the country. They are number two. You think of any beer that you ever had, that brewery uses them. They are a, everyone knows them. They have the address of every single lead, if you will, prospect out there. So when they came to us, they did not come to us and say, we need more leads. Well, no, we know this is not it. They came to us and they said, we have a scenario where our business and our competitive landscape is stuck in a kind of a time warp. We all go to in-person events and here are our hops and here's what we do. And we think we have a story. We're a B Corp, we're sustainable. We're very tied into our community. We don't know how to tell that story. We especially don't know how to tell that story in digital or across multiple channels because we're not giving up going to those shows. That's still our bread and butter. We need help telling our story. And we're, and we're okay, well, what are the metrics? You know, uh, how much, yeah, ultimately it'll come down to at some point revenue and how many more people have, but it's, what are the conversations we're having? Are we doing more? Not how many form fills are we filling out on the website? And yeah. so, it became a very different type of story for them that they they were that they that they came looking for. Yeah, I I think the point here too is more companies should be thinking like that, right? Right. 
uh, and it's hard to think like that. I, I get it when you're in and you're trying to, you know, grow a business and you're looking at things like leads and sales opportunities and new customers and revenue and, you know, all those very important metrics. It's easy to miss out on this big picture story that is arguably more important than those other things. Because, you know, I was talking to uh, a, a new Square Two team member today and, you know, I was using the example of, well, we sell vanilla ice cream. Like, okay, great. You sell vanilla ice cream. Like, but why am I interested in your vanilla ice cream? And don't start with your machine because like, I just don't care that you have a nice machine that makes it, you know, taste good. You're going to have to work a little harder to get my business. Even though I love vanilla ice cream, like what, what is it about the ingredients or the, the way you, the, the way it's going to taste different or the way you serve it to me or who's serving it to me. There's so many facets to the story that, can be more interesting than what most companies are typically telling. And it is a heavy lift. I know, I know you know, because you work with our clients all day, all, all the time on getting them to lift associated with telling a better story. But I, 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 w I wish if you're listening to this, you can, you, you will take away from this conversation the importance of that story in terms of growing your business. It's almost, you know, I would i would argue with anybody that it's just as important as a great website. It's just as important as a great sales team. It's just as important as a great product. If your story is blah, no one's really going to be interested in listening to the rest of it or reading your stuff or going to your website or talking to your sales reps. If your story is amazing, you're going to get attention. And I think, you know, your experience with Crosby, your work with Crosby Hops and, you know, our desire to try to capture that experience in our own content so that other people can see the benefit of it is, a, is an important takeaway. Yeah. I think one of the one of the important takeaways too is that the importance of connection, you know that, you know you brought vanilla ice cream and uh, there's a lot of good, excellent, passable vanilla ice cream out there, and so ours is better. You know, you you and I could disagree. Briars, Turkey Hill, like whatever your favorite is, I don't know, but but. If there's a brand out there that through their story or through their identity, uh, through their marketing, manages to make a connection with you, uh, you know, it's it's vegan. Like you, you're you're not doing dairy. You care about you know just going vegan, and there's a good story behind that. And suddenly, like you make that connection. Like that's what I believe, and that becomes part of your identity. And right. I happen to go out and I see you know uh, one of my favorite brands. I don't know if you've tried it. Is uh, Brave Robot? So they're vegan, tastes just like real ice cream because they use really? like. Wait, can you get that in the store? Yeah, it's pretty expensive. I'm not gonna lie, you're gonna have to pay me more in order for me to keep eating it. But it, sometimes it goes on sale. But what, they what, use what the store is that because I have not found a good vegan ice cream. Giant Nix is another one I think that does it, but. Uh, so sorry, people at home, but maybe you'll get into this as well. I can't eat much dairy. My son can't, but they use a process very similar to, to brewing to create like a whey protein that mm. it tastes just like ice cream, but it's non-dairy, no animals involved. It's outstanding. But if I was to walk down the street now and I love it and I see Mike and his brave robot t-shirt, you wear suddenly simpatico. Right. Where can't, you know, right. it reminds me of way back. After I got out of college and I was riding the tea in Boston going in for my first real job and I was reading a book on the train and it happened to be a Hemingway book and uh, I, I look up because we all look up to see 
people on the train. And there's this guy just like fixed on me. And I'm like, why is this guy staring at me? And then he holds my gaze and then he looks down and he points to the back cover of his book and, some, and he nods and it's like, it's another Hemingway book. And he was just like, you, and that's what, that's not marketing, but that's what great marketing is. Like suddenly we're of the same team. You know, it's, it's that thing of you create that community. I connect to the brand, to the company, and by virtue of other people connecting to it, we all are connected to it together. We all will share it, we'll connect, you'll talk about it. And that's something that Crosby was looking for as well. Connect with the right people and they will share and they'll become evangelists and they'll become advocates. Yeah, yeah. and I think they achieved that. They had, if I'm not mistaken, their best year ever this year or maybe their second best year ever. So yeah, I think that that yeah. community approach really paid off for them in a real business way. You know, um, I want to talk for the rest of the show or until we decide to wrap up uh, about this community community idea. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I was at inbound two weeks ago. Community was a huge topic of conversation. You mentioned community. Um, community is getting a lot of buzz in the in marketing circles as kind of like this new way to your point to bring people together of like mind and uh, get them connected in a way that can drive real business. So uh, not to put you on the spot, but give me oh, no. some, give, I'm going to anyway, give me some, some thought, top of mind is fine, around how companies should be thinking about this idea of community. Like what, what does that mean exactly? How do you build a community in a scalable way that gets the right people engaged and drives drives the business forward. I think you have to look at it's, it. It's broad. It's big. It's you know it's a big topic and it's an amazing topic. It's I, I kind of feel like when talking about community, like um, you start narrowing your focus in a very good way. I think it starts with that message, that story that you tell, like you need that thing to pull in the people that you are interested in, in pulling in. And honestly, the reason I say it becomes somewhat narrow is because oftentimes the best messages are not for everybody. You know, they speak to a certain emotion subsection of it and uh, people identify with you, but starting to have that story starts creating those connections out here in the wild, out in the ether, and we're not connected yet. But once you start creating that that feeling of um, stirring something within someone that they kind of either see something of themselves in it or learn something about themselves, that's really the first step. From there, you can start doing things like um, requesting user-generated content. It becomes easier to get people to do things like wear your swag, like. Huh, how come they wear their t-shirt but not but not mine? Because I love their brand, you know, I love what they're doing. I stand behind it. And you know, yeah, and it, so it also kind of I think it also breaks down these privacy issues we're we're dealing with now, also, right? If if I'm in a community, I'm open to hearing from the other people in my community. I'm actually kind of encouraging it. Like I'm in the community because I want to hear from other people, right? And yeah. so instead of companies trying to bust through your spam filter and your iPhone hide my email and your, you know, quick, quick to delete all the emails that you don't want to and 
cycle through your social feed because it's filled up with garbage. Like, oh no, 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 this, this community. Yeah. I'm interested in that. Like I'm going to hold on to that. I want to, I want to read that. Right. Like it's probably going to be the only way to get in front of people going forward because the privacy and the, the over digitalization of what's going on is, is only getting more stringent and more saturated getting people to opt into these communities is going to be the only way to to be able to talk to them and and the great part is is like you know we use the word opt-in as if like we're asking and we're taking something it's when they're when they're at that level it's completely voluntary i i think about now it's a huge brand and i apologize for talking about huge brands but this works at a smaller scale too um you know last week the week before when patagonia announced that like basically we're giving away the company Okay, I saw the headline on you know my news feed or my Apple news feed or whatever. I must have seen thirty different shares from people like this is amazing, this is incredible, and yes, it's a, but that's what your voluntary community right there. There and and you see people responding, love this brand, and I bring that up because it works because I, I was t telling everyone on the phone that I never been a Patagonia customer. I was just like, well, I don't know what, what's that about? There's just a lot of money. And then I read the story after we're shared and I was just like, you know what? I need to buy a new flannel shirt for fall, winter, a new sweater. That's where I'm buying it from. And so now I'm part of the community. Uh, you get people to voluntarily share, be advocates, spread your message without having to ask, without having to cross your fingers like, oh, is this going to work on social media to go viral? It's people want to take part in it because they see it as an extension of themselves. You know, you can ask them, hey, send in your best, you know, content around, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. And they'll be more willing to do it because they feel connected to it. It feels like part of them. Agreed. And I I think that going into next year, everybody's content program needs to consider this community aspect in in some way right i guess you could argue we're kind of creating a community here of of uh, you know watchers and listeners right but i think there's a more significant way to, to create a community around some of the things square 2 does that we might be talking about and and starting to experiment with in 2024 i know hubspot is actively doing it. They rolled out this connect.com community, which to me looks like LinkedIn, you know, a HubSpot's version of LinkedIn. Um, not a huge fan of LinkedIn. I feel like it's gotten completely ruined by marketers. Uh, you know, I don't even know who the people are who are asking to connect with me. I, I've, I decided a few years ago, I wouldn't connect with anybody unless I knew who they were. I know not everybody has that, has that uh, philosophy around LinkedIn, but that sounds like a warning to our viewers, which is just don't connect with Mike. Like, well, but, I mean, you know, if if you're connect with me if you like want. interested, right? Like in 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 uh, a dialogue, yeah, go ahead and connect with me. But if I see your title you of business me. development, you know, and I know you're trying to just get ready to sell me something, like, no, I'm not gonna. Or even if you're looking for a job, like honestly, if you want to work at Square Two, it's a very clear way to get into our ecosystem. Go to the website, fill out an application, submit your resume, and we'll talk to you. Right? You don't have to stalk me on social media to get a job at Square Two. We're constantly hiring. So, um, my 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 point is though that I think when you're looking at your go to market 
and you've been kind of focused on content as a lead gen exercise or as a sales support exercise, I think going into 2023, you really have to start thinking about how do we create a community, right? Mm -hmm. And I think almost every company probably has the raw materials to start putting that together. Most companies have a following, right? They have generally a loyal customer base. They have a set of prospects that are considering joining that loyal customer base. They have, you know, people who are fans of that business to some extent. And, I'm, you know, the, the consumer brands, you're right, they're easy to talk about. But, you know, even if I think about something more pedestrian, like an HVAC company, right? Like there are people in my neighborhood who are like, oh, you got to call, you know, you know, Mike's HVAC company. He's awesome, right? Like there's a community there that is untapped, unmanaged and, and unstructured that could easily become something that would fuel Mike's business in a much more productive way. Um, I'm not in any way suggesting that's an easy activity. And, and there aren't a ton of models yet on what would actually have to get done to create that community. But I always view that as a tremendous opportunity. I want to be the first one to build a community around my business, right? I, and I want people to opt into that community because every, to your point, everyone in the community is cool. Everyone is nice. Everyone is friendly. Everyone is sharing information. The people in that community are, are, are getting something that people outside of that community are not, whether it's advice or guidance or growth or free stuff, whatever it is. That has to be what you're thinking about if you're trying to grow your business, you know, in the, in, in the, over the next three or four years. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, consumer brands are easy. It's easy, right? Like we identify with them. They're larger. It, it, there's just a whole lot around it that makes it easy to be, to, to create. Well, they, they have a ton advocates. of money too, right? They, right. they co-opt celebrities who help build the community. Like, oh my God, LeBron is wearing this shirt. Like I want to be like LeBron. I'm going to buy that too. Like yeah. that's, it's great that they can do that. They have unlimited budgets to do those kinds of things. Most other businesses do not. They have to be a little more savvy about it, but it's a similar kind of exercise. I, I do think though, and I think you raise a great point about like, yeah, your local, local HVAC could be, I think when it, it doesn't matter what, if you, if you fall into a consumer or if you fall into a B2B, it starts with great product service solution experience because then right. people become very willing participants. I had an HVAC person come in here and actually they were trying, you know, like, you know what you, and they did a great job. They like, they asked me right there on the spot, could you do what, you know, a, a video talk, talk about your experience, like trying to, to do that. Oh, I went cool. out to what, yeah. on his iPhone. Like, can I do a yeah. video? Yeah. Hey, can we do, can you talk about, and it wasn't just, Hey, tell us huggers. Like, can you talk about what your experience was working with us? Like, because these people came into my home and they, they wanted to build up their, you know, you their workers for, for being, I did not because I'm in marketing and I was just like, uh, I'll write a review. I was just not in the mood that day. I was, oh, it was pretty, I wonder, pretty expensive. I wonder how successful <laughs> that is. That's a good idea. But it, what made me think of it is that my wife and I went out for dinner uh, two weeks ago. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And so we never get time alone. And my in-laws were like, well, you have to go do something for the kids' school, watch dinner. So we get to the restaurant and immediately the electricity goes out. And uh, so we're like, and we, we had just put in our order for a glass of wine, but it hadn't come in. I'm like, 
okay, I guess we're eating at like Wendy's or something because the whole block is out. And they, um, no, 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 don't worry. Uh, here's your wine. Turns out that the, we can still cook in the kitchen. We're like, okay. And uh, they light candles. They take the iPhone, they put it on, they're playing music in the background. It's great. And it turns out that they were turning away everyone else. We had this dining room all to ourselves, and they're just apologizing profusely. I'm like, what are you crazy? This is the best experience ever. Probably an amazing opportunity for them to be like, hey, like, could you do a fun little video with us or something? You know, can we, can we take a picture of you and showing it? Yeah. Like, trying yeah. to build that thing around community where people start to understand, like, start making connections around it. And I would have gladly done it. It was such an amazing thing that they did for us. But that's the point is, when you start with a great experience, great service, great delivery, it becomes very easy for people. If they come out and said, hey, take our, you know, Margarita and Vincenza t-shirt, would you wear it? Hell yeah, I'll wear that for you. I'll wear that nonstop, especially it's free. You know me, it's swag. So, it's, mm -hmm. yeah. But I think that's a great, it's a, it's a starting point. I think it does work at smaller companies too. And we don't have it all figured out, as you pointed out. It's start thinking about well, this, how they do it up here. How do I do it down here that I get people that want to, either connect with each other so that they're sharing information or, you know, you know, able to help each other out, or they are sharing things around because um, they're really all very happy with, with what they're getting from us. Yeah. Yeah. Really good point. Um, anything you want to uh, close out on and we'll uh, wrap it up for today. You know, you, you opened up at the beginning about like, you know, where's the future of content taking us? And you know, this conversation could get you thinking, you should be thinking about content like this. It doesn't have to be an hour show or week. You could do 15 minutes, just one topic. You just, you know, you and somebody else having a conversation and do quick, quick little bites that you could post up on the on the social. This doesn't replace your other content. It's in addition, it's different channels. If you if if you can do it, there's still gonna be opportunities to educate people with Crosby. We do video. We do, I did a 30 page guide with them to educate the uh, brewers on like, what is a quality hop and why should you be paying attention to it? And people devoured that like crazy in addition. So it's, this is another way to think about it. As Mike pointed out at the top, it's a very efficient, effective way to do it. That if you don't have a copywriter, you don't have a designer, you can still most likely do it on your own. If you have the guts to get in front of a camera and just kind of put it out there. If you have the means, it should be one avenue that you go to one channel for your content because not everyone is the same. You very well may have, uh, you could have customers, prospects that are in their 20s, 30s, you might have them in 40s, you may have them 60 plus, and they may all in, uh, engage with different types of content. They and it, it, it want to engage with it in different ways. So it's one tool, it's a major tool that is different and it's emerging from what else we've done, but you know, think of it in a holistic way. Yeah, I love it. Thanks. And since you're a three-time guest host, pretty soon I'm going to have to find you the the blue velvet jacket for the five-time guest host, like on I'll, Saturday Night Live, right? I I think that's uh, appropriate, and don't dare me to wear it. Uh, the five-timers club is that what it's called? Something like yeah. Is that the five-timers club? Yeah. All right, Bob, you're, you're, uh, you're a great guest host. Thanks for standing in for Eric. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, for all of our uh, audience, uh, don't forget, you can get the show on uh, YouTube at the Square Two Marketing Channel. Like us, subscribe, leave comments. Uh, the show is posted every Thursday morning. All of the What's Wrong With Revenue episodes are available on the Square Two YouTube channel. 
You can also get the show on our free streaming service on square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. We have a Netflix-style free streaming service with channels for CEOs, CMOs, CROs, sales leaders, technology people. Uh, this show is available in audio and video format on Square2+. If you're into podcasts, check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, iTunes, Pod, uh, Bean, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are found. You'll get the uh, podcast version of the show tomorrow morning as well. Uh, and if you're really into the show, you can go to What's Wrong With Revenue. It's a link at the bottom of Square 2. You click on it. You can get the show on your calendar. If you want to join us live every Wednesday at 4 o'clock, we will also email the show to you Thursday morning when it's ready, and you can submit questions. Well, we didn't handle any questions today, and we may never handle any questions again if the format <laughs> stays the same. I would be happy to answer any questions that are submitted to us in one form or another, even if I have to write you a letter. I appreciate the questions, and I'm happy to help in any way I possibly can. Bob, thanks again. Everybody else, thanks for joining us. Have a really great day, and we'll see you next week.